0: Welcome back to Mother Where Art Thou, your go-to podcast for moms, where we talk about mom life and everything else in between. Being a mom looks different for everyone. Our journeys are different in so many ways. What does your mom life look like? We have a very special guest that has been so kind as to take time out of her day to share her story and experience with us. I introduce to you Kelly Gooch. She's a featured blogger a licensed professional counselor, and a mental health service provider. She's also an author. Allie Meets the Nevers is a coloring and activity book. It's the second book in Kelly Gooch's Allie Adventures in Social Skills Mental Health Series for Children. This book series aims to provide young children with necessary tools and coping skills to function at home, in school, and in society. Kelly currently works at her local school system as a behavioral specialist and has over 10 years of experience in the mental health field. Kelly currently writes and hosts her own blog, kellygooch.com. Her mission is to end the mental health and disability stigma by offering educational and informational tools to the public. Kelly believes that early intervention and education is paramount in success later in life. Kelly discusses mental health topics on her blog and shares her experiences with her daughter, Taylor, who has a dual diagnosis of Down syndrome and autism. Kelly writes to spread positivity and knowledge and to increase awareness. Kelly has been featured on sites such as The Mighty, Today Parents, Huffington Post, and Scary Mommy. Kelly is here with me today to discuss why self-care is absolutely Okay. Tell me a little bit about why um you feel as though self-care is absolutely okay.
1: Awesome. So, self-care, I kind of stumbled upon my passion for self-care. I started blogging about 4 years ago. And so, I had joined a Facebook group. Um I don't I don't even remember the name of the Facebook group. And one of the ladies in there says, hey, do you want to join a Christian mastermind group? And so I said, okay, don't even remember the group that I joined. And so I joined with these other ladies. I think there were like 12 or 14 other ladies. And we just kept talking and we grew a bond. And so that first year we had been in the group together for a year. That first year they had a retreat at one of the ladies' houses and so the first year I missed the retreat, but the second year I was able to attend. And let me tell you, I had not been separated by um, from my five-year-old ever. So that was totally new for me. And so I just hopped on a plane, you know, and I was like, hey, I'm going to go meet some strangers. It's just like real world, like, you know. <laughs> You know, you talk to people online, but you don't know them. And so I just Mm -hmm. hopped on a plane and went to a weekend retreat with these ladies and left the kids at home, left um, hubby at home in charge, left my mom at home. And I just said, I'm going to go to this retreat. They're all writers, all Christians. And so we were just going to fellowship a little bit. We didn't have to cook. It was just going to be a real retreat. And so while I was there, it's almost like I could breathe. And I heard this from other caregivers that there's such a hypervigilance. Like you're always on on mode. You're never off. Like there's no mm-hmm. downtime. Your brain is always going. And if your brain's not going, then your body's going. And so while I was there, I was like, oh, my gosh, I, could, I can breathe. And not that like I have, I have great support. And it's not that I don't have mm-hmm. support. It's just that again, just kind of that hyper vigilance. And I was there and I I noticed, hey, I can breathe. And I've been holding my breath for a while. And mm-hmm. I've been really stressed. And you know, I told the ladies, I said, you know what? I cannot be the only caregiver that feels like that. And I was so refreshed by the time I had I was done with that retreat. And by the t- time I came back home, I was just rejuvenated and re-energized I was ready to go have fun with my kids and I was ready you know to just spend husband and so I realized that caregivers just don't take care of themselves at all you know Mm -hmm. and I think it's not that people mean to I think it's just life you love and have um, such compassion and passion for the person that you're taking care of that you forget kind of how to live It's almost, yeah, like, it's like your life is kind of turned upside down. It was for me. And I think um, as my daughter grew older, I had to come to the realization that, hey, you know, you love your daughter. And of course, she's always going to come first. But you have a life, too. And you have to take care of yourself because who's going to take care of her when she gets older if you're not here? exactly yeah and so that kind of came became my passion like I've got to tell people that it is okay and you know how we moms are we feel so guilty sometimes for just taking a break or taking a Mm -hmm. minute you know for ourselves but that's important it's important to like realize that I'm a I am a human being and a person outside what I do Mm -hmm. and what I do every single day because you know a lot of times you know if you're out in the workforce, you identify with your career. And, you know, if you're a stay at home mom, then, cause I did that. I was a stay at home mom the first year that um, Taylor was born because she was mm-hmm. so sick and you kind of identify as that mom, but you know, hello, you're, you're more than a mom. You're more than a caregiver. Mm-hmm. You have passions and, you know, desires and urges and things like that. Just like the next person but sometimes mm-hmm. it just kind of gets suppressed and just to get that message out there that it is okay to have your own hopes and dreams mm-hmm. even when you're taking care of someone else so
0: absolutely no i loved everything that you said and so it kind of brought me back to a, a few different points mm-hmm. here um you know when that hypervigilance that you were talking about, it's almost like you're just in constant go mode. Mm-hmm. You don't even think about what you, what you want no. and like um, what you need, because sometimes um, I was, it was on my last episode. I had my friend Megan, um, um, one, not my last episode, but my one of my mental health, um, il- mental illness episodes. Mm-hmm. And she had said something about like, sometimes our, our needs or are our wants? You know, mm-hmm. sometimes we need. Oh yeah, the things that we want, and that made so much sense. And um, so so self care, it's about being de- deliberate and mm-hmm. taking time for yourself. Absolutely. For to better our mind and our body and our soul. Absolutely. And, um, so why don't why don't you um tell me a little bit about how You kind of, um, discovered that,
1: well, I know your daughter was born with down, down syndrome, Mm -hmm. correct? Yes. Yeah. It was a complete, I I did not get a pre-birth diagnosis. I did not know.
0: So you didn't know that you were going to be a caregiver the way that you are today.
1: No. And I think that was the hardest thing for me. And, um, and just to give a little background about my story, if that, if that's okay, and kind mm-hmm. of okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> how I kind of mm-hmm. came to this point. I was in my last year of college, and um, I was always kind of a loner. And so I kind of stuck to myself, and um, I started dating this guy, and I became pregnant. And he just had mm-hmm. a really hard time with it. And so I kind of went through um, the pregnancy alone. I had my mother who was a, uh, she's an educator for like 42 years. And she was like, oh my gosh, in the beginning, but then she was so supportive. And so she was kind of my support at that time. And so um, about midway pregnancy, I um, developed hypertension and um, the beginning okay. stages. Yeah. Hypertension, not high blood pressure and, okay, um, and okay. preeclampsia, but I didn't know it at the time. I didn't even know what that was. And so I started having contractions. And so I was put on bed rest. Now, mind you, I was in my last semester of college and I was put on bed rest. My teachers were pretty amazing, flexible and everything. And so this one day on a Thursday, I was just going in for a checkup, got a stress test, listened for the baby. And this nurse is like, let me go get the doctor. And the doctor comes in and he's like, hey, you're having the baby today. And I was like, hold up. I got a little time. And he's like, no, your baby's um, having trouble breathing. You need to go straight to the hospital. So my mom meets me there. And I can remember I went in for um, a C-section again because it was an emergency. And so after the C-section, I just remember looking at everybody's faces and I'm like, what is it? My mom's face, this nurse's face, they're just kind of looking. And so I can remember going back to recovery and then going to my room. And so I get a phone call and they they basically essentially tell me your baby has Down syndrome. Do you know what that means? That means that at most she'll probably push a mop or she'll work at McDonald's. No, that's not what she That—that uh, That is an end quote and a beginning quote and an end quote. Yeah. Oh, my God. yeah. And so you can imagine, I was only twenty-two. You, Which, yeah, to hear that is to hear that is insane that she would even say it like that. She did. She. That's exactly what she said. um Essentially, that's basically what she said. And at most, that's what she'll With do. She'll you push. You know my, that's not true. Yeah, I knew. No, no. At the time, like I didn't know right. anything about down syndrome and i thought i was 22 and here's the thing i passed the test like there's a um i think it's a uh alpha fetal protein test if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. is the name of it they may not even give that anymore but negative. it was it, yeah negative. it was negative right okay. for any genetic um genetic issues so i thought everything was fine and so this lady calls and is like you know your baby's having trouble breathing um we're gonna have to fly her the closest hospital was vanderbilt and so they had to um fly her out but i didn't even know before she got on the helicopter that she had to be resuscitated three times and so there's all this trauma like right there in the moment You know, so I'm dealing with my feelings. I've had a C-section. My body's in like disarray. My baby's not even with me. She's with, you know, in another city with this person who's already said all these negative things, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and so um, I stay in the hospital for um, several days and then they actually drive her back to me. She's fine. And so there was just so much trauma and unknown and and my 22-year-old brain just was not ready for it.
0: And so there's this
1: on mode because the next day, you know, you get a call. I got a call from her um, pediatrician saying, hey, you need to come in today. Her thyroid levels are crazy. It can um, it can affect her brain development. Get in. So mind you, I can barely walk and I'm taking her to the doctor, you know, and there's just this back and forth. And it's like, oh, my gosh, no more bad news. And mm-hmm. I know there are tons of caregivers out there. Just like you're traumatized just because you're tired of the bad news. Right. And you kind of develop constantly waiting for the, the next shoe to drop. Yeah. yeah. It, it's almost like paranoia and you hate to be that way, you know, but right. you kind of don't know because again, you're living on that, in that own mode. And mm-hmm. so she was like in and out of the hospital so many times that first year. And so, um, Again, it was just a lack of knowledge, and I was just 22, and then, I, again, I was dealing with her father, and so it was just so much drama at the time, mm-hmm. and so um, I just put all my energy into her, and for a while, I didn't even want to talk about it. Like, I hated it when people asked me about it because I didn't know how to feel, you know? I was right. angry, sad, all of these emotions, you know, because I just didn't know Facebook wasn't around,
0: so who was okay. I going to talk
1: to? Mhm. And I wasn't ready to, you know, you have all those Kubler-Ross's stages of grief. I just wasn't ready for acceptance.
0: I'm like it's so funny that you say the the about the grief cuz there's um a lot of things that I I was thinking about and um when it came to grief I was thinking, you know, do caregivers experience grief even before anyone's anyone were to pass over or like, Cause you can, even if, if that was even the case, which what I'm saying is you can experience grief
1: without that, without a, a traumatic loss. Absolutely. You can Absolutely. You definitely can't experience that grief. And as a matter of fact, you have waves of grief. Like mm-hmm. for instance, if you talk to another teen mom, there's prom, like this is prom. Well, typical prom won't work for us. And right. so there's this grief because your brain tells you that life should be a certain way and you scroll through your Facebook timeline and you're, you know, you kind of have the fear of missing out. Like we're not getting this experience.
0: You're grieving yeah, something that you've never had or never will. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you have to experience that right when you've just given birth. Yes, exactly. Like, I can't imagine the wave of emotions that you were dealing with. Yeah, at that time,
1: so many emotions, so many emotions. And I probably should have talked to a counselor at the time, I absolutely should have spoken with someone mm-hmm. just to kind of help process those feelings. And I'll be honest with you. It took me about 10 or 11 years before I was finally okay with her diagnosis. Right. 10 to 11 years. And I think a lot of that has to do with um, her autism diagnosis that we didn't get until a few years ago. So that's a whole other like, list Ex- and things to greet. Exactly. Because then you have a cohort, like you have people that I know, And parents that I know, and then children with Down syndrome, and then we don't look that way.
0: Right. So the game
1: has just changed. Yeah. And you kind of just don't fit in anywhere. And that's how I felt. Not because I was like the single mom or my skin color or being a woman. None of that. What we didn't fit in because our behaviors, her behaviors weren't like her peers. And so it was Mm -hmm. very isolating. And, you know, I went to the doctor, um, there was one time that she attended summer camp. I think she was like 10 and her teachers who were awesome that taught the camp was like, Hey, have you ever considered that um, she might have autism? And I was like, well, I know she does stuff differently, you know, and I'll talk to the, to her doctor Well, her doctor was like, no, we don't do dual diagnosis. Like all her behaviors are based on like the down syndrome diagnosis. Well, you and I both know it's not that way today.
0: No, it's not. In fact, I was, you know, looking up some fun facts to share with our listeners Mm -hmm. and I came across with um, the combination of Down syndrome and autism spectrum disorder was considered rare. So it recently was considered rare, um, but not anymore. And then one in 20 of children with Down syndrome might
1: have autism. Absolutely. Yeah. and And, you know, that's the kind of thing that they're still figuring out. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's just for that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But it's real. And so like my daughter's needs are different from her other um, peers with Down syndrome.
0: It's very Mm -hmm. different.
1: And, you know, she has an assistant, whereas um, other um, kids with Down syndrome may not need an assistant.
0: Right. So how does how does um, that affect your everyday to day life, being like being her mom, knowing that um, some tasks may be difficult. um, And then she has the assistant having that assistant. Does it help for you as much as it
1: can? Absolutely. I think having an assistant was a game changer. Now I will say our school system, which I work within our system has been an amazing, has been an amazing experience. Um, Mm -hmm. Our special ed director has always been so accommodating to our needs. And I can say that, that um, she has been awesome and whatever we needed, my child got, but there are other children who do not get the support that they need. And And now is that at home or is that just in school? I think that, oh, definitely in school. Because I feel like, like the therapies, like physical therapy, speech therapy, those are more accessible, but I mean, as far as the accommodations in school, sometimes they Mm -hmm. don't get those. Mm -hmm. And so I will say, um, we've had an excellent experience in school, but I know that there are some caregivers that have not had that experience. And you want to talk about trauma, it's Mm -hmm. being in an IEP meeting. And if you don't have someone To guide that meeting skillfully, if you don't have a SPED teacher or a SPED director to guide that meeting skillfully, it can be really traumatic for that parent. Because it can be traumatic for the parent, it can also be traumatic for the the student as well. Oh yeah, well. absolutely.
0: Like not a lot of people know this about me, but I was I had an IEP since since I was in fifth grade. I'm 28 now, but okay, I graduated with a special education diploma uh-huh. um, because I suffer with ADD and ADHD, and just okay. school was really difficult for me. So I have a little bit of knowledge on what those IEP meetings look like and sound like, and it's just it's it's hard to listen to and deal oh, yeah. with because you're trying to, you're, you're trying to accommodate one individual's needs outside of the entire school. Yes. And then on top of others and others and others and others and others, but I only got a small taste of it. So I, I was in a lot of classes with, um, with other uh, students, uh, probably like your daughter as well. Mm-hmm. And it, the, The teachers are very, very helpful. I think developing the plan is
1: what's most difficult. Yeah, I can see that because it is so, um, so individualized for every person and it's going to look different. So what may work for one student, which, you know, inclusion may work for my daughter. It doesn't, she doesn't do well with a lot of people. She flourishes when she's with people that she knows and with a steady routine. Now, and that's why I loved how small the classes were. Mhm. Mhm. Her classes mm-hmm. are very small and so of course she interacts with her peers in um gym, PE, um art, all the um exploratory classes. Things like that. But for her core instruction, she is with in a self-contained classroom and I'm okay with that. And she's learning um, activities of daily living because I'll be honest with you on her IEP at this point, she's about to be 17 and I Mm -hmm. need her to know how to function and do things for herself because she's getting older. Mm -hmm. And so her IEP is going to look totally different than someone else's. And so I think, oh,
0: individualized education. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So what works for someone else, you know, may not work for her. And I'm completely okay with that. I just think during those IEP meetings, it's just important that that person conducting that meeting can pull out something positive. Again, (laughs) going back to always hearing something negative you Know you want somebody to pull out the positive, so
0: and that's the stigma you're trying to, you know, oh, yeah, right now. The stigma of it all, mm-hmm. and there's so many um children who have been diagnosed with Down syndrome, um, that are that grow up and are able to hold jobs and absolutely live enjoy um recreational activities, you know. It, and thank thank God for the, that public law, 94-142. Yeah. Because without that, they wouldn't be able to have that education to help them in their future. Absolutely. And being Absolutely. a caregiver, that's something that you want, but that's not something that you can do on your own. No.
1: No, it definitely takes a village. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of talk about that. Having a tribe or having someone, even if, because it's hard for caregivers to get up, get away. For Mm -hmm. instance, I think that caregivers have to accept that your life just, just isn't going to look like everybody else's. Like Mm -hmm. I may have a friend that's like, Oh, me and my husband are um, having date night Date your husband, whereas me and my husband, we haven't been out on a date by ourselves in like six months, Mm -hmm. you know, but we're okay with that because we got to know we're in agreement. But I think caregivers really have to accept that your life isn't going to look like someone else's. And so that's Mm -hmm. why you do need additional support. Someone that can say, hey, why don't you take a minute for yourself, go on a date or just, you know, have a target run by yourself Mm where it's peaceful. (laughs) And so, (laughs) but sometimes I'll be honest with you. It's very, (laughs) for some people, it's very hard to find that support. Mm -hmm. You know, and I so think it's would, yeah.
0: What would you say to them? So, if you need someone that c- can't find that type
1: of support, what would that your suggestion be? I would say because it's, especially if you live in a rural area um, or an area that's kind of isolated, then your best bet is going to be Facebook. Because mm-hmm. for every bad or people can talk about Facebook and say you know rough things about it, there's a lot of good. And I would. So what
0: would that good
1: be though? Because
0: you don't want, I don't want to get a misconception for um, people with Facebook, reaching out to Facebook would not be venting all your, all your
1: negative (laughs) thoughts, right? Yeah. Support groups. um, They're all different. Of course, different types of groups. You do want support groups, but I say, find your tribe, find your people who kind of go with your flow if it's a group of introverts who you know our caregivers find them or if it's like I did find a group of writers who your friends outside of the writing that may not be caregivers mm-hmm. per se but they are so supportive in other ways yeah. and so Absolutely. I think yeah I just think it's getting in that search box and finding groups that you belong to mm-hmm. I've
0: heard that so many times from other people. It has a lot of good. So self-care can look different to so many people, but there are ways to do it wrong, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Um, And by what I mean by I feel like there's some ways you could do it wrong is like if you compare your self-care to someone else's idea of what their self-care looks like. Oh, yeah. It's like our version of an IEP. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's an individualized self-care plan. Wow. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but um, it can look like getting plenty of sleep, enjoying sunshine, cooking, writing, Mm -hmm. drawing, blogging, Mm -hmm. um, positive self-talk. Oh you yeah. Know, some people write with their um like expo markers on their mirrors. Oh yeah. To, you know, staying active, cleaning the house, mm-hmm. reading, reading about other people whose lives are more complicated. Yes. Getting a good hug, talking mm-hmm. to people. Now, talking to people is one of the things I really love, and that's my. <laughs> um, my way of self-care, mm-hmm. but I need to be able to talk to people. I can be 100% authentic with mm-hmm. otherwise it's not going to, it's not going to help. I hear. ya, absolutely.
1: So what are some things that you do? I think that first of all, you need some awesome ways to like take care of yourself for me. I think, again, it's writing. I talked to my sister the other day and she's like, Oh, I love to cook. She's like, It's so calming. I'm like, mm, That's not my way that I take care of myself <laughs> whatsoever. Um, but I told her, She was like, You know, I think your way of kind of de escalating and unwinding is you love tech stuff. Like I, anything, like I taught myself Adobe, InDesign, and Photoshop. Anything like that is so relaxing. So I guess we're so similar. I know, right? (laughs) Twins. (laughs) I taught myself I taught myself all this stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. So anything like that, learning something techie, um, of course, writing, um, any that writing anything, whether it's blog posts, whether it's writing a book, you know, I have um a journal coming out next week. The journal is called Watering the Soul. And it's based on my experience at that retreat. And I mm. told those ladies, I said, I just feel so refreshed. And when you think about grass, like when we first purchased our home, our grass was like hot mess city. It was brown, dull, dingy. Oh, it was just a mess. And so mm-hmm. we had we paid for a professional lawn care service. We didn't want to spend the money, but we wanted pretty grass and the thing that they told us was that if you don't water this grass then you can develop dry spots and I was Mm -hmm. like dang that's where I was like I was just so dry and barren and so that retreat truly watered my soul I felt so refreshed and just so renewed and had so much energy on life and I thought you know I want to give My caregivers, the caregivers that I know, or the caregivers that I don't know, or that are searching for, Mm I want to give them a way to rejuvenate themselves. And so Mm -hmm. I took, you know, I have a background in mental health. Mm -hmm. I've been in the field for 10 years and I'm a huge mindfulness and um, guided meditation fan. I truly believe mindfulness can lower your blood pressure, help you breathe. And so I weave that throughout daily writing prompts and so in the journal there's like six days of guided specific writing prompts to kind of get at the heart of what's going on in your life how are you feeling about being a caretaker right now are there any negative thoughts that you have that you shouldn't have is there any hidden anxiety just prompts like that to get your mind circling and get you focused on being present and in the moment And so on that seventh day, there's like an actionable step like today is not just writing like you need to do something to take care of yourself. And each Mm -hmm. step, um, the total of days is 91. And so at the end of the week, there's that actionable step that you have to get out and do something. And those steps don't cost any money because I know sometimes finances are rough. So you can do Mm -hmm. these things to take care of yourself and it's not going to cost anything. And so okay. I just wanted to share that with other caregivers, just to have focus time to relax and recharge, because I think that's so
0: important. I love it. I love it. I'm such a believer of, of um, things like that, like daily devotionals oh, yeah. and you know, just daily affirmations. Mm-hmm. I just started... Getting into um, guided meditation with Headspace. Oh, that's um, new. Headspace is an is a app where you can, um, if you're new at meditating, they have like um, little courses or whatever. Um, it's free until a certain point, but mm-hmm. then there's also Insight Timer. Okay. Um, that one's really good. Um, just started to help uh, have that to help me with sleep. And like, mm-hmm. I was so skeptical I was like I'm gonna lay here and I'm gonna listen to this and uh-huh. I'm gonna be wide awake I am not lying I passed
1: out so quick oh wow <laughs> and it's called <laughs> insight timer
0: so insight timer is a good meditation app and then also headspace okay you <laughs> with I think it's with either I think it's with the headspace you can kind of, like, personalize mm-hmm. um, your meditation based off of whether you want help with, like, sleep or if you have anxiety, depression, things like that.
1: Oh, okay. That's awesome. Like, we're yeah. a fan of um, the Calm app, which is that, that um, relaxation, and there's, like, sleep stories and sleep stories for kids and we oh, also right. love the breathe app and there's a breathe for kids and that breathe for kids is just amazing for the little ones it asks mm-hmm. you like to be present they can click on like these emojis how are you feeling and it'll we will create relaxation techniques based off of how that child feels it is amazing that's awesome yeah. i just wrote that because i'm going to get
0: that for my daughter and i'm going to start i love doing that stuff with her
1: oh yeah I'm-
0: I'm all about it. And, um, but yeah, like I, I can't wait for your book to come out and your, well, your journal to come out. I'm definitely going to get it. I'm definitely going to awesome. check it out. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so back to um, the, the topic of caregivers, I wanted to know a little bit about what you think the difference between what a caregiver and a caretaker is. So could you tell me a little bit about what your opinion
1: is on that? So I kind of, I kind of feel like those terms are interchangeable. I mm-hmm. prefer the term caregiver because you are giving it's freely. Mm-hmm. Like you might not have signed up for the job, but you're doing it because your love for that person. And so mm-hmm. definitely I love the term um, caregiver and that's typically the term that I use. And so mm-hmm. um, it's just, I feel like it's just a very important job. It's sometimes um, overlooked you know, especially those like not so much parents, but sometimes when children have to take care of their parents, you know, Mm -hmm. what a rough job that can be. And Mm -hmm. so all those um, emotions that can also go along when you find yourself taking care of a parent. And I think that's the other side of caregiving where you have this group of people that our parents that might take care of someone else but then you have these adults that are taking care of their parents
0: oh gosh you know that hits home for me (laughs) my sister was my mom's caregiver Mm -hmm. and um I mean I can't even imagine her Mm day-to-day duties and her day-to-day life especially being a new mom Mm -hmm. and um I wish I would have known the things I know now Mm -hmm. about what a caregiver is and all of the things that go along with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I feel like I would have been able to uh, sympathize a little bit more. Mm
1: -hmm. But that's, that's the whole reason we're doing this though, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think until you walk in a person's shoes, you know, and it's hard to say that, like you can empathize you can sympathize and you know kind of say this is how I would feel but until you're actually around that caregiver and spend time with that caregiver you kind of don't understand the world and it is a totally different world and Mm -hmm. it can be exhausting at times and it can be again just kind of isolating where you feel alone yeah alone and isolating and
0: goes back to where our our mental health is with it oh yeah what would would you say in ways have it has it affected your mental state
1: positive and negative i'd like to hear both oh yeah so um the good ways but definitely more patient like Mm -hmm. i've learned to slow down you know Mm -hmm. because things in life sometimes aren't going to happen when you want them to And so I think the caregiver experience has helped me definitely be, number one, more patient, more appreciative of the small things, like small victories. Mm
0: -hmm. Like um,
1: the other day, my oldest, Taylor, she found a hat in my closet and refused to take it off.
0: And, you know, (laughs) I
1: was like, you can't wear that to school. And she was like, "Um, yeah, I can. She didn't say that, but that's what her face said. And so I'm like, no, you have to take it off. And she refused to take it off on the inside. I was so excited because that was an example of her independence. Yes. That is progress. And behavior is a function like behavior is communication. And you're telling me I'm going to wear this hat. And I'm like, I love it because what a lot of people don't realize, like in the inner core, some parents just like myself, Our children, particularly if our children have difficulty with speech, we don't know what they want. And sometimes they cannot communicate with us. And so when they are able to show us this is what I want, we're like, Yes, I love it. Just wear the hat, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Just wear the hat. And she wore the hat and she kept it on all day. And she had Mm -hmm. it on when I picked her up. But that was so special to me as a mom, something simple like that. So yeah, you learn to appreciate the little things, the little phrases that she tries to say. And you're like, Hey, did she just say a word? And so you just really learn to appreciate that with your children. And I think that's another positive thing. And I think just learning to slow down and I think you enjoy life more. And Mm so, um, Some of the potentially negative, I went through a spell where I was just depressed because, again, going back to that, I hadn't really accepted where I was in life and, like, how she was having trouble with making what I thought should be the progress. And so Mm -hmm. I went through depression and I um, really needed to talk to someone to kind of work through that. And I know a lot of caregivers deal with that. Just this feeling of sadness, and um, right, you know, I know a lot of caregivers also have struggle with anxiety, and oh, so yeah. yeah. So I don't think I've, I've you know, I've had post traumatic stress disorder, but I know some caregivers do,
0: and yeah, so, yeah.
1: So it's about again going back to taking care of that because it's very hard to appreciate the good moments and the positives if you're stuck with dealing and struggling with depression.
0: And mm-hmm. so
1: you have to take care of yourself and of your mental health. And I know some for some caregivers, that is hard finding the time or the finances and feeling that guilt because you do take the time. But it's so very important because caregivers are at risk for depression, anxiety, heart disease, and get this even early death. If they do not take care of themselves. Wow. Yeah. I had, um, I heard a doctor tell a patient, if you do not take care of yourself, you may die before the person you're taking care of Mm. just from the stress. And so, yeah, that it's extremely important to 40
0: um, to 70% of caregivers show symptoms of depression and quarter to a half experience major depression. I believe it completely it's believe it in the grand scheme of things mm-hmm. of the small the the, the medium-sized purport, uh, percentage mm-hmm. of people who actually are caregivers of care like at, at home caregivers yeah. not in like you know hospital yeah facilities. yeah
1: mm-hmm. you know yeah that's a big number mm-hmm. absolutely but you know i heard you mention like a facility you know you have to bring up compassion fatigue Because not just, you know, counselors, but our helpers, like sometimes the stressors of working in a facility and your heart is in the right place, but that can be stressful as well. When you're watching patients come in and you watch that person, especially like the elderly, like there is a proportion of our nurses and caregivers um, in facilities that also need treatment and don't Mm -hmm. sometimes do not. Seek it. Again, that compassion fatigue where you love and you have a passion for helping others, but the stress of the job and the emotional factors become an issue. So that's important as well. So funny that you say that, you know, because I've been
0: hearing you you um explain it, I'm like, I'm sure that would be hard for them to reach out for help, seeing it's their job, they probably feel some sort of expectation. Absolutely. That- put on them mm-hmm. to be able to like I don't know suck it up or something yeah so it's affecting you and your mental health that can seep into your life yeah outside of you absolutely agreed
1: mm-hmm. absolutely
0: yeah. I also read that caregivers who pay attention to their own physical and emotional health mm-hmm. are better able to handle challenges of supporting someone with a mental illness
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And why wouldn't you want to make it easier for yourself? Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just being in check with yourself mm-hmm. and knowing where you are and how, how are you handling this on a scale from, you know, zero to 10? How are you handling today? Is absolutely. today, a, you know, is today a rough day? And if it is, it's okay. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. So what would you say some of the qualities a caregiver, um, would display? Um, definitely patience. um, Mm -hmm. also just a general passion and love. Like we become our, um, our kids or the person that we're taking care of, we're, we become their biggest advocate. Like we know a lot of stuff. We know tons of medical information. We can research anything. We are experts (laughs) on Google and so just very Mm -hmm. knowledgeable caregivers. And again, just that patience and having that pure love and acceptance for that person. What about tolerance? Yeah, there is a certain kind of tolerance for um, things that aren't ordinary. Mm -hmm. You know, you learn to be like you learn to be flexible and not rigid. It's not always black and white, you know. Right. You learn to be like that malleable person. Whereas, like, I'll give you an example. Of course, Taylor's about to be seventeen, and Mm -hmm. Ella's five, and Ella is my neurotypical child. And so, I will tell her, like, what does that mean exactly? Neurotypical. I've read that in
0: one of your blogs.
1: Yeah, that just means she doesn't have any genetic disorders.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's just I, I, okay. I just
1: don't like the word normal because what's normal? I'm yeah. not I'm not normal. I'm different. No, you know? <laughs> I like that word. Better. No, so, yeah. I, I wouldn't even say normal. Yeah, oh, I would just, I take that word. I'm like, yeah, I don't like I just
0: normal. thought it was something else. I was like, wait, what is that? What, is there a new thing? <laughs>
1: right so yeah I'm just you know I'm like "Eh, I'm not normal so I'll kick that one to the wind but yeah she's my neurotypical child and so I tell her I'm like Ella our expectations for you are different from Taylor and just kind of lay that out and I think parents have to be okay um with accepting that hey expectations can be different Mm -hmm. like what Ella may Uh, what Taylor may be allowed to do Ella's not going to be allowed to do
0: right and And that's probably really
1: hard for you yeah it is I think well I'll say it this way it was in the beginning in the beginning it was like there was so much guilt like for instance if Ella wants to go to the football game well do we go as a family well Taylor hates the noise like the whistles terrify her and so at first, I have the, you know, I kind of felt yes, guilty, I like her. yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so like that's too much for her. She's like, what in the world? Why are those necessary? And so yeah, she's like, Mm-mm. she I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah, she's mm, I'm doing those whistles. And so at first, like a few years ago, I felt pressured for everybody to go. That, but then you know, I talked to my husband. I said. It's okay if Taylor doesn't want to go. Why would I make her feel uncomfortable? So we take turns. If Ella, the five-year-old, wants to go to a game, my husband will take a turn um, taking her, and then I will. And then Taylor and I will do something else. We'll do something that she wants to do, like go for a ride or sit outside, or, you know, just something that she's interested in. I have to accept that that's okay. Outside people may be like, well, why aren't you? And point that finger but at this point in the journey, I don't care what other people think. And I think as uh, caregivers, we kind of reach that stage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You <laughs> have to be yeah. With the yeah. You have to do what's best for you.
0: Have you tried? Um, have you tried like using the noise blocking headphones? Yeah. Except she
1: doesn't like headphones. Again, that's sensory. Sensory. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, that would be awesome. When um, someone mm-hmm. recommended that to me, I'm like, well, where's she going to put them? Cause she's not going to put them on her ears. She's very sensitive on her ears and her hair. Washing hair is a, a whole feat within itself because she just hates that part to be touched mm-hmm. on her head. And so there's that battle of just something simple, like washing her hair. Yeah. So, yeah. So again, it comes to being malleable, like, Hey, we don't have to do this often. You just need to be clean Mm -hmm. and we can use some oils or whatever, but like, I'm not going to make you suffer because that's torture to you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it brings me to my next curiosity. Responsibilities for you as a caregiver, probably completely different for things that I would do on a, on a day-to-day basis with my children.
1: It is. You give some yeah. She needs, just because of her fine motor skills, she really ha- has difficulty with those coordinating skills. Like, like I told my husband one time, I said, um, you take for granted the ability to put on a shirt until you try to teach someone how to put on a shirt and how much coordination that requires. So in the morning, Mm -hmm. I kind of help her get dressed. She can do some things for herself, but like just buttoning pants, putting putting a belt together. She can get it on, but putting it together, that requires skills. And so I have to Mm -hmm. help her get dressed. I help her do hair, brushing teeth. Again, the sensory issue. So it's all Mm -hmm. kinds of Mm -hmm. drama, just getting our teeth brushed and getting out the door. And so, um, during the day, again, she has an assistant to kind of help her and guide her where she needs to be. And then in the afternoon, you know, we have to change clothes and we get ready for dinner. And then I like to check on her, um, as far as when she's bathing and things like that, just to make sure she's okay. Yeah. And so it is more complex because I'm going to make sure that she's taken care of. You know, even if that means, you know, work for me, I don't care. I want to make sure that she's taken care of. And if she can't do it herself, then of course I'm going to help her. Mm -hmm. That's, that's amazing that,
0: you know, she probably looked at you as like her superhero, but you probably look at her as your superhero.
1: Yeah, I do. I, I feel like she is like such a loving child. And I know that is so Typical, people say that all the time about children with Down syndrome, which, mm. you know, she is very loving. And on the other side, she can have an attitude. So right. she is her own personality, but she is, like, we love her. Like, she makes us laugh, and she's such an important part of our family, an integral Absolutely. part, you know? Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Well, you should be very proud of yourself. I think you're doing an amazing job and you're so inspiring and your story is so inspiring. And
1: well, I'm so happy to be able to
0: talk to you. Thank yeah. you.
1: And kudos to any caregiver that's listening that maybe doesn't have anyone and feels alone. You know, I hope that they listen to this podcast and just know that you aren't alone. You aren't alone and that, you know, the work that you do is important, even if, you know, no one has ever said thank you. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's an important job. It's kind of like teachers, you don't get paid a lot, but my goodness, that job is irreplaceable.
0: Yeah, it is. It's an irreplaceable, Mm -hmm. um, job. And even if you're not necessarily a caregiver to someone with, um, a disability yeah. or illness or mm-hmm. anything like that. You know, just taking care of little ones. I, I <laughs> You're caring for these little ones. Oh, like, yeah. That's hard. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yes, I am. Am. yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Kind of self-care mm-hmm. is important for anyone. Agreed. Mother, daughter, whoever, it's important. But Agreed. self-care and caregiving those two go hand in hand because you can't, how can you care for someone else if yeah. you're not caring for yourself? It's just like when they say to put the oxygen mask on yourself first
1: before putting it on someone else. Oh, I like that. Absolutely. Secure your you mask first. I do. I do. Yeah. Excellent description.
0: Absolutely. I, I hear that so much. I work a 12 step program. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I would be considered duly diagnosed. I'm a uh, recovering addict mm-hmm. and I uh, have depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm duly diagnosed with those um, two things. Um, so I had to, to take medication for my mm-hmm. depression and mm-hmm. for my anxiety, which um, is for some reason very hard for me mm-hmm. to stay on. I always go through like relapses mm-hmm. um, Of like keeping my medication on the right, you know, time schedule and such a pain in the butt.
1: Yeah. But, um, so were you, you, I'm sorry, I'm chasing a squirrel. Were you diagnosed, um, in school with ADHD? So, yeah, when I
0: was, how old was I? I was in fourth grade. Mm -hmm. And, um, we moved here from, um, Florida and we moved in with my, um, my parents and my sister, mm-hmm. we moved in with my uncle and his wife
1: mm-hmm.
0: and my aunt, mm-hmm. his wife. Um, she went to Columbia for behavioral health. Oh, So okay. she, yeah, she's a, she works in, um, the mental health field and things like that. She works at a level six, psychi- psychiatric psychiatric oh, wow. okay. in, in Georgia. So mm-hmm. she, um, Yeah, so she just noticed some things about me. And um, I guess that's kind of where it really took off. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, it wasn't really detectable early on. Mm -hmm. Um, But in school, as like around fourth and fifth grade, I guess Mm -hmm. it was really more noticeable then. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, school just was really hard for me. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was. I just, like, it took me three times to pass algebra mm-hmm. like with me like I just couldn't stay focused and mm-hmm. I still have problems with it now today mm-hmm. um I don't take anything for my ADD
1: because of my um, addiction. addiction yeah
0: history yeah, yeah.
1: it's so, so funny like when in college we learned that um untreated ADHD often leads to addictive addiction and addictive behaviors yeah and that's you know so funny and you definitely are not alone there's thousands of children that are struggling right now trying to find the answer you
0: know I always believed that I was an addict like very very young I just kind of Mm oh I never knew I was actually going to be like a a substance abuser Mm -hmm. but I just felt something different about me yeah I was always very very emotional very emotional Mm -hmm. um like I was you know my temp my temper tantrums looked very different from a regular kid's temper Mm -hmm. tantrums they were very like you you'd have to take me home like if you're you know kind of thing like you couldn't be out with me if i was throwing a temper tantrum kind of thing
1: yeah just that explosive explosive it was yeah. almost
0: like it was almost like i couldn't i had a deficit disorder with my emotions like i mm-hmm. couldn't decipher them i couldn't i didn't know how to feel them i didn't know how to process them yeah you know i was just i'm constantly all over the place like in my brain it was like a squirrel just like Uh Like my my husband says you have the attention span of a ferret (laughs) that's okay (laughs) and I was like
1: okay thanks (laughs) right right okay but yeah
0: but yeah now in sobriety I've had to kind of cope with dealing with that Mm -hmm. and when I've come to learn that it's one of my strengths and not my weaknesses. Absolutely. Because I'm able to juggle my podcast, my blog, my art, being a mom, Mm -hmm. being a mom and a wife. Yeah. I'm able to, I'm maybe not able to juggle them perfectly. Mm -hmm. Like I have to, I've had to have learned balance Mm -hmm. and without balance, without scheduling and structure, I don't work. And that, If I don't do
1: those things, mm-hmm. then medication for my ADD and ADHD would be necessary. Gotcha. Yeah, it sounds like you just had trouble with, you know, affect reg- regulation, and I see it all the time where you have so yeah. many emotions and like you can't even express how you feel, but it just comes out as anger and rage, and it's uh, just you know absolutely. I'm trying to get this message across and nobody's hearing me, you know. <laughs> Oh my God, He could not have explained it any better. I'm telling you,
0: it's exactly to a T <laughs> what it is. And the it, it is, it, it's frustrating. It, it's mm-hmm. so frustrating trying to be able to convey something you literally can't relay. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It, I mean, I couldn't even imagine
1: having not being able to communicate how I feel without. Yes. And that's hard to accept as a caregiver and a parent that your child can't express what they're feeling. And you know, they have a feeling because you can look at their face. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're wondering, are your feelings hurt today? What are you thinking?
0: Like, you were so ecstatic, like I, I already have like an image of yeah. her <laughs> with your hat on, and you're like, oh, you yeah. can't wear that. She's like, oh yes, I can. Exactly.
1: <laughs> she's like, okay, gone to the car.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. <laughs> so yeah, mm.
1: it it was awesome. You know.
0: Yeah. So before we um before we uh stop. Here, I mm-hmm. wanted to see, to ask you if you could um, just say something, give a little message to the caregivers out there, mm-hmm. um, and anyone who may be new at caregiving, yeah. just kind of suggestions or just a sure. little word.
1: Yeah, I would just say that um, wherever you are in your caregiver journey, it's okay. And it's okay to accept whatever you feel. If you're angry about caregiving, that's okay. Like no one Mm -hmm. can tell you how to feel Accept whatever feelings that you're having. But don't stay there. Because what happens today is not necessarily what's going to happen next week. And honestly, no one knows the future of the person you're taking care of. And Mm -hmm. so don't put limits on the person that you're taking care of. Because you don't know what will happen. And for every negative thing that's said, things can work out. They can be bigger and better than you've ever imagined. And so stay positive. If you're having trouble with that negative self-talk, stay positive, stay focused, take time for yourself. Because as you said, it's so important to take care of yourself so that you can adequately take care of someone else. Mm -hmm. And so feel what you feel, but don't stay there. And, you know, you can look through your rose-colored glasses, celebrate those little things. And again, you know, accept that your life won't look like everybody else's, but it still can be beautiful. And it most definitely will be meaningful. That's awesome. Yeah. I love
0: that. Thank you so much That's for all your Um awesome.
1: Thank you again Friends. for having me on and chatting with me.
0: It's been such a pleasure and such an honor to talk to you. And I'm just lucky to be able to um, help send a message of experience, strength and hope, and, and be able to have um, strong women like you on my podcast to be able to help convey and, bring forth that experience, strength, and hope, because your story is going to touch someone out there. I hope you know? so.
1: That's my end goal Even, is to encourage some me. mama like me.
0: <laughs> it's touched me. And oh, I, I'm,
1: awesome.
0: not, yeah, I'm not necessarily like a caregiver, um, like to anyone with a, a you know, yeah. anything like that, mm-hmm. but just your experience and your strength and your positivity and your light, that's helped me, Aww. you know, work through some things that I struggle with that's Aww, completely, man. you know, unrelated, but Thank you know, your you. story is meant, I truly honestly believe that our stories of our, our life stories, however they look mm-hmm. are there for a reason. And oh, yeah. we live the life that we live for a reason. Absolutely. And as Oprah puts it, use your life as a class. <laughs> I really like her um, podcast, um, Mm -hmm. Oprah's uh, conversations Mm -hmm. can use your class. I mean, that's exactly how I feel. Life is meant to be lived.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You're doing it, girl. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I so appreciate you having me on today. Absolutely.
0: All right, you guys, that was... That was just so inspiring and I'm so touched and I'm just so so relieved that I'm not the only one out there that struggles with um, making sure that I stay in my self care you know Um, I'm so blessed and I'm so honored to have been able to have had that conversation with Kelly Gooch about why self-care is absolutely 100% okay. Um, I do find myself getting guilty when I want to go and care for myself and my mental health. I find myself feeling as though like I'm a burden or something and it's something that I struggle with and it's something that I work on constantly. And I don't think I'll ever get it to the point where I want it as far as me being, like, confident and okay with seeking the help that I need for my mental health. Um, But, with that being said, it is something that is extremely important to me, and something that I need. And I don't always want, because it's a pain in the butt for me, (laughs) you know, but I need it. I need to be able to care for myself and my inner peace. You know, physical care is is easy because you can see the results. When it comes to self care for our mental health and just our general inner peace, I have a hard time with that because I can't vis- visibly see the results, and so. I'm the type of person that I work off of facts. I want to see, like, proof. I want to see the hard facts, solid proof, you know. And so, if I can't see it, you know, I have a hard time believing if it's working or or whatever. But I know that when I do take care of myself, as far as like how I'm feeling and where I'm at emotionally and mentally. I feel different as opposed to when I'm not taking care of myself, and you can definitely see from the outside looking in the difference in that when I'm not reaching out to people, when I'm not talking to a therapist or another person that I'm able to talk to about these types of things when I'm not taking my medicine properly, when I'm not working my 12-step program, things like that. When I'm not doing those things, you can see the difference in in how I behave and how I act and interact with people, how I talk. My mannerisms change. I, I don't seem as healthy and happy as I would, When I am doing all of those things, when I'm talking to my therapist, when I'm staying on my medicine and keeping it regulated, which I have a hard time with, um, when I'm doing all the necessary things that I need to do, I'm fine and I'm of better use to my family and to my husband and to society as a whole. Um, So it is extremely important to me and I don't think that you necessarily have to have a mental illness or an ailment of any kind to make sure that self-care is a part of your life. I think that just everyday stressors, work, relationships, friendships, you know, whatever, it is bills, you know, financial insecurities, um, physical insecurities, whatever it is, eating what whatever it is that you deal with That you may not think is a serious problem or it's more of a normalized problem or whatever. If it's still something that's causing havoc in your life, that's when your self-care comes in. Looking at that specific thing and getting down to the nitty gritty of why it's there, and what it's doing to you, and then finding a solution for it, or even just a way to manage it, or to just maintain, you know, taking care of that part of you that needs tender love and care. I find that an extremely... Important. And I just think that it's something that everyone should implement into their lives, especially caregivers. I think that self-care and caregiving, caretaking go hand in hand. How can we be of service to others if we're not of service to ourselves? So, you can find everything that you need at our Facebook page and our website. I have some really awesome blog posts there. One of my recent blog posts um, that I have posted is, If cussing makes me a bad parent, then shit. Go check that out. Go read that. Um, It's really funny. I think it's funny. But, I mean, it's real. It's real, honest raw stuff and that's what this podcast is about like I I don't want to sugarcoat I don't want to co-sign I don't want to give you a taste of of what my life is like or what I think life should be like if it's not authentic and real and the reason why I post things like blog posts like if cussing makes me a bad parent then shit because I sometimes cuss in front of my kids you know, I don't. I don't want to talk and preach something that's not true for me and in my life. So my podcast and my blog is real raw shit, and that's that's all it is. That's all we need. You know, is to be real, authentic individual individuals and true to ourselves. So I, I'm just such an advocate of being authentically you. So anyways, thank you so much for being so supportive about um this podcast and being there for me and just always checking in and listening to my episodes even if they're just me ranting or talking about, you know, whatever. If you're one of those people that consistently listens to my podcast and reads my blog post and supports this podcast thank you thank you thank you thank you so much for being a huge part of the journey and i really really greatly appreciate you so thank you so much and i hope everyone had a really awesome easter you don't celebrate easter i hope you have had an awesome weekend um so thank you again